Hey everybody, welcome to the third episode of the Lane Media Podcast. I am your host, Devin Miles, and with me tonight I have... Richard Baxter. And we got a lot to talk about, but I'm very excited to talk about the stuff we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, We're going to talk about a a lot of trailers here. And the first trailer we're going to talk about, the one I'm excited to talk about the most, to be honest with you, is the Joker trailer that came out recently. Uh, Richard, what you got to say on that? I mean, I love it. I've been keeping up with these the trailers for this movie for a while, and some of the early reviews are already out uh, from Rotten Tomatoes and other big names uh, that do it, and everybody seems to love it. Everybody seems to be excited. It's already getting compared to The Dark Knight uh, repeatedly through multiple articles and stuff, so I'm really excited and interested to see where they take the character now, now, the more I watch this trailer, the more I see the news on it, the more I get more excited because this Joker movie seems to be more of a um, character study of the comic book villain because, it, you know, with Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker, he was super smart and tactical in a Dark Knight movie, whereas this Joker seems like anybody can be this Joker if they had one bad day, you know, and I, I love that because... I think, honestly, I'm more afraid of this Joker because it feels like it could be like my neighbor. You know what I'm saying? And it also tackles a lot of uh, social issues like uh, mental illness and all that. But to be honest, I think this movie might be a masterpiece. I think so. I agree. I mean, I'm excited for it. And I think that what they've done is taken a superhero genre movie and they've kind of flipped the script and done a, a deep dive an examination uh from at least from the trailers where they're going uh examination of society as a whole and how we treat people and how we treat people with mental illnesses and the you know really a really more of a almost kind of like an indie film in a lot of ways of Mm -hmm. the kind of the way we're diving that it almost doesn't feel like a superhero movie from the trailers it just feels like we're watching the descent of a man I agree. Who's beaten down to nothing and yeah. snaps. Yeah. Um, you ever seen a movie Taxi Driver? Yeah. It really has that vibe to it where this guy has been beaten down by society or the environment that he's in. And he finally gets a chance to do something about it. But I really do get this vibe of um, that. I think this this portrayal of the Joker is going to be uh, a little bit more, I guess, sympathetic to where you're a little bit more... Uh, on his side when he does like when he finally goes down to that rabbit hole of madness you kind of like agreeing with some of the things kind of like he did with the previous jokers well at least he um heath ledger's joker but i think also so no so no jared leto with that soundcloud joker i can't i can't get jiggy with that soundcloud rapper joker (laughs) we roasted this this is probably like the third time we roasted this Jerry Little Joker. He he cannot catch a break from us. <laughs> I mean, no, it was just it no. Like it's a no. Yeah, it's a hard hard L. Hard pass. <laughs> I think um speaking of Jerry Little, I don't think it's really his fault that that Joker was bad. I think it was the direction that the director took that Joker with, you know what I mean? Cuz uh yeah, the actor, he's not bad. It's just that, you know, Jerry Little just had a bad script, I think, honestly. In well, my opinion. I won't, I won't disagree. I don't think the writing was there. But at the same time, the writing... I think that Jared Leto's Joker could have been a good Joker if they hadn't made the simple and probably the biggest mistake of that movie, which is to make the Joker 
a support character. Right. You cannot... The Joker is never a support character. He is always front and center. He is the ring leader. He's always the, the one running the circus. Right? Right. right. So, at that point, once he's a side character, he's no longer a Joker to me. He's not interesting if he's not front and center. And so, just by that premise alone, I think that movie fails. I think that if, uh, if we had done... Uh, you know, the Suicide Squad as being the Joker's escape prison or something like that, or he's on a rampage and, you know, Batman's missing or whatever. We could have had him where he's at his broke back moment, right? So he's no longer the pitcher. So now you've got to bring out Suicide Squad, which makes more sense at that point to bring out villains to take out the ultimate villain. And then you could have really played on that sort of Harley Quinn and Joker love thing and that sort of her coming to terms that he'll never love her and that he's just abusive and that sort of that that sort of pull and and tug of the entire movie yeah. then it would have worked but once you brought in the uh, the enchantress and her weird fucking brother i don't know what was up with that that little dance she did also you know and the little putty man i mean i i, I thought we were watching a, a superhero movie not power rangers but you know <laughs> Go, Empress Vida, what's up? You're my collector, and now you'll collect the Power Rangers! Um, oh man. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know. Like, I don't know, yeah. if you had gone with a Suicide Squad versus Joker, I think that would have worked better, and the dynamics there would have been more interesting, because Joker is never a side character. He's never a support character. And once you do that, I think the movie auto automatically fails. That's it. Yeah. Even in, like, the comics when he is, like, a supporting role, he always finds a way to steal the show. And he always has the most interesting, like, dynamics in every, like, supporting role that he had in the comics. He always found a way to even somehow make that about him. And, uh, another thing about this, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, portrayal of the Joker. I'm getting some serious, um, the killing joke vibes from this movie. Yeah, definitely. I mean... It definitely feels like they've really paid attention to that and really, like you said earlier, really thought hard about that mm -hmm. one bad day mm -hmm. thought. And like, instead of us trying to find, you know, a, a, go through the same thing, let's take a character who nobody knows, knows nothing about, you know, the author the, who his human name is before he becomes Joker. Yeah, author flick. Uh, at that, you know, and let's really dive deep into a member of society who is almost who's completely ostracized and beaten down who just wants to make people happy mm -hmm. he just wants to be a comedian mm -hmm. and have the world sort of beat him down until mm -hmm. he finally snaps and it's really i think the question from the trailers that i think they're really going to play on is asking the audience where's where's your snapping point Where, right. where's your place that you snap because obviously we all have a, a breaking point, right? You know, so I think at that point it almost turns it back on the audience and places that blame and that sort of thought onto the audience. And I think that's an interesting way to make a movie to the point where I think, you know, I'm gonna guess, and I'm pretty sure from what I've seen on the reviews, is that that movie is gonna flip everything and really leave you when you leave the theater with a lot of thoughts and a lot of questions about yourself and how you handle things. Right. I think it's going to be really good. Uh, there is one thing, though, um, 
a lot of people mentioned previously to me. I, I have some colleagues at work. We talk about this uh, Joker trailer a lot. Um, I think the the problem with most people, especially when it comes to this new movie, is that they're trying to compare it to Heath Ledger. Now, we all can agree that what Heath Ledger has done with the Joker is beyond amazing. It's a masterpiece. It's a classic. It, it can't be compared to. It can't be replicated. However, I think with Joaquin Phoenix and his portrayal of the Joker, I think what's going to make it more, I guess, special in its own right is because with Heath Ledger's Joker, although he's perfect, I can't per se relate to that Joker. I don't have a lot of bullets and gasoline. I'm not a tactical genius like he was. But with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, I feel like if I had enough days where I just got broken down and shit happened to me, yeah, I could probably be just like this Joker. I mean, that's true. That's what I was kind of saying is that mm -hmm. I feel like it's going to place that question to the audience. Mm -hmm. You know, where's your breaking point? Yeah, where's yeah, the yeah. point? Where's your one bad day that takes, turns you into a monster? Right. You and, know? Yeah. And I relate hard with this Joker. This is, I guess what made me more excited to watch this movie is because, like, this is probably the first time I can relate with the Joker. I mean, like, with Heath Ledger's Joker, like, he said some stuff that was, like, you know, interesting. Like, you know, society's kind of crazy you know i'm just a dog chasing the bone i'm ahead of the curve i'm like yeah that makes sense yeah but joaquin phoenix is joker i'm like yeah everything you do right now will probably be relatable to me now he might cross a line i'm like obviously i won't go that far but who knows maybe if you broke down like he did you might cross that line you know i mean at the same time you gotta think heath ledger's joker we we're seeing we saw heath ledger's joker after whatever brought him there we're never really told Right. Now, there's been right. a lot of wonderful fan theories about it, that he's a, uh, you know, some sort of special forces mm -hmm. guy who was, you know, trained like Navy SEALs and then had PTSD and blames society for it and goes on Rampage, which is, I think, one of the best fan theories for Heath Ledger's Joker. It kind of makes sense I agree. to explain his skill set and everything. Yeah. Um, but we didn't get to see that. We don't see none of that. So, and they never answer that and they don't need to because sometimes, you know, you don't have to give the audience all the answers. Speaking of not giving the Joker a, uh, I guess a backstory. Another thing too, I heard about the reason why they're not really feeling this Joker movie is because what made the Joker interesting in the comics and in the movie was that we don't know what happened. It's very ambiguous, you know, it's open-ended. Like in the Killing Joke, it's mentioned that you have this whole entire backstory with the Joker, but it turns out it it was probably fabricated by him as well. Like he always said, he likes to leave a multiple choice. So that's also something like the appeal of the Joker that you don't know what's what happened to him. You know what I mean? Whereas in this movie, you know exactly what's going on. So I'm not sure if people are really feeling that. I feel it. I think it's gonna be great. I I feel it. I just, I mean, I understand that thought is that, you know, not knowing someone's backstory and especially a character like Joker yeah. almost makes him feel more dangerous because he's unpredictable. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, we've done origin stories before for the Joker in the comics. We had, you know, Killing Joke and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And like you said, at the end of the day, it's multiple choice. You fill in any, you know, any... Mm -hmm answer you want and it's right mm -hmm. so i mean it's okay for us to look at it and and say you know they may turn around and say this is the you know first joker and then we get another joker or something like that because this is set way before any of the other dc movies 
I am interested in that theory. Like, perhaps this Joker... I mean, you notice that there's, like, a cult following with this Joker. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking that perhaps the actions that Arthur Fleck is going to do inspires the Joker that we're all familiar with. The one with no backstory, the ambiguous Joker that we all know and love. Perhaps. You know what would be interesting? I know it's not going to happen. But perhaps, uh... If it was said in the modern day that this Joker inspires uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, you know how dope that would be. It would, but they're not gonna because that's a standalone. That's a standalone yeah, yeah. franchise. Now I've heard from the reviews, and again, I've actually been pleasantly surprised at how well that the reviews of this movie have that have come out have been very non-spoilery. Agreed. Which is very surprising in this day and age. Yeah, for sure. Um, but. I have heard that they do have some, some but some connections, but small connections to the rest of the DC properties. Okay. That there are connections there, but it's more it's more kind of a nod at mm-hmm. instead of a full thing. So they they've kind of set it up in a way. The one connection to the Batman mythos is Thomas Wayne. I, I'm interested to see how Thomas Wayne plays into this uh, Joker's downfall. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to know, because like, I know in the script that Thomas Wayne is like a business tycoon. He's not very the most likable fella in Gotham. And I want to know how he's going to really play a role in Arthur Fleck's origin to become the Joker. Uh, in the trailer, we saw the final one. He just straight up punches the dude in the face. <laughs> so I want to know what happened. Like, I, I'm really curious to see how this plays out. Like, maybe... Is it because he's a rich guy and no one likes rich people, or is is it because Thomas Wayne is actually like an asshole? We don't know. I, I, I'm excited to see. You know, I want to see how that plays out for real, for real. Yeah, I mean, it, we're all kind of waiting, and it, you know, it, I, I I'm glad this is the final trailer. Yeah. Because in this day and age, we've had a a huge problem with too many spoilers in a trailer. I agree. And then at the same time they kind of start doing this thing where they're almost hoodwinking the mm-hmm. audience by doing fake scenes that are filming now yeah. for trailers. And I'm like, okay, now this is getting a little ridiculous. Give me enough to get me interested, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But don't intentionally trick me. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as I love Marvel, Marvel started doing that a lot with their trailers. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, and granted, there are you know, so many things that could get spooled by showing too much. But here's an idea. Don't show too much. (laughs) Just give us a little bit. Give us enough to keep us hooked. Richard, that's too simple, man. That's too simple. You know, if they were doing it for all these years with trailers, we had trailers that give you five seconds of the movie, and that's all you need it, baby. No, man, it's too simple to do that. You know? They they can't do that, Richard. It's too simple. That's too simple of a concept. Show less. That's true. Hollywood doesn't do anything simple anymore. Why won't we just show them half or we can show them all? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Sony. I won't forget. I won't, I won't forget. <laughs> oh, speaking of Sony, and not to not to get off subject, but to get off subject. Oh, hello. Yeah. You know the whole Sony Spider-Man. There was a slight update. You know, Spider-Man: Far From Home was back in theaters this weekend, right? Oh yeah, I heard it's an uncut version. It added like four scenes, another five minutes to the movie. Now they're not gonna do what they do with Avengers and say, "Hey, we're gonna have a lot of bonus content and give me a fucking Shrek Hulk." They're not gonna do that to me, are they? I don't know. All I know is that 
Nobody went and saw it this weekend. Yeah, I didn't. No, apparently that was a, becoming a meme on the internet. Was like people showing their theaters. Yeah. Where people literally took the Sony boycott hashtag. Yeah. Seriously, where unlike Avengers Endgame, when they brought it back in theaters, you know, mm-hmm. people flocked back and went and watched it again. They didn't care, yeah. even if the the added scenes were terrible. Yeah. You know, I, it was yeah. still Endgame. But we all came together as a nerd community because we wanted to put Endgame on the top, mm-hmm. make it the most the biggest movie of all time. Yeah. You know? That's why people came back. Sony putting Spider-Man back in, especially after that controversy mm-hmm. and everything, whether they were right and whether Disney was wrong or whatever, it's mm-hmm. in, it doesn't matter. But the perception of the audience at that point is that you just want more money. Mm-hmm. Or at least in-game when it came out. Yes, they wanted more money, but we felt connected as a community because we wanted to show the world and to show the snobs in Hollywood that superhero movies are good. Mm-hmm. You know, all these people, James Cameron, all of them have kept saying, oh, there's a superhero fatigue. You're going to start seeing superhero movies fall apart. No one's going to go see them anymore. And what they don't understand is superhero movies are, you know, while some are really bad and don't always work, they, they're basically Shakespeare. You know what I mean? In a yeah. lot of ways. They're, I think, you know i think and especially for our you know in our generation for sure in our time era it is very shakespearean you know because i i've never seen a community band together for a common goal before like the nerd community like Mm -hmm. like ours because like like you said in avengers although they wanted more money we love avengers man we're like hell yeah we'll give you more money because we love this movie although i think when they added shrek in there then that pissed me off but i was like fuck it it's, it's fine i watched avengers endgame again and i love that movie but when we took that boycott seriously we meant it and i i just i'm so proud of my community <laughs> to be part of the no like nerd culture honestly because that, that was a pretty like ballsy move of sony to release the spider-man movie especially after that controversy like you said and it's like uh man no, we're not gonna go watch it again. We know what you did. Bring us back Spider-Man, and maybe we re- will, we'll, you know, reconsider watching it. But, but fuck you guys. <laughs> no, not after the controversy. I mean, yeah. Sony saw that Marvel did it once and thought, well, what if we just re-release it and we add in a couple of those deleted scenes before? Let's make another cut and call it the extended cut because we added four more seconds to the scene. Yeah, you know, at least and audiences aren't gonna do that. You know, they don't mind paying, you know, more for the extended cut on Blu-ray or DVD. Yeah. But they're not going to go back in theater for more unless we have a common goal. You know, like I said, with Endgame, it wasn't about going back and seeing more. You were thought it'd be cool to see some more, but at the end Mm. of the day, you'd already seen it. You Mm. went back because you wanted to make sure Marvel made its goal. Yeah. You know? Because they say they wanted to be Avatar. And we're like, yeah. Especially after, you know, James Cameron had, you know a year ago had said oh well i don't think endgame's gonna perform as high as they think it's going to right and this and the other and we were like no 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 <laughs> challenge accepted motherfucker we're about to see exactly. how this we goes neil patrick harris yeah, on we, him and went, oh, challenge yeah. accepted okay buddy yeah let's do it say no more chief i got you mm-hmm. say no more man we actually did it you know that, that's incredible yeah and i thought man and sony thought they were gonna slip on in and get there a little bit more they didn't <laughs> they didn't do well 
Yeah, we basically looked at Sony and we just said, like, man, I don't give a fuck about this movie. <laughs> I was like, shit, look at my nerd culture. Look look at it. Mm-hmm. Look at it blossoming. But yeah. But, but yeah, that's uh, that was what was going on there. Uh, is there anything else about the Joker trailer that you want to talk about? There is one more thing. Okay. Now, I am... I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit scared. Not because I'm 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 scared that the movie's not gonna do well. I'm scared of what I'm gonna see. Cause it's the first Joker movie that's rated R. You know you know what I mean? Yes, but at the same time, if the character is done right and the story setting and the script lends itself to that, it works. A good example is Logan. Yeah, yeah. When they said Logan was going to be rated R, a lot of people were like, hell yeah. But a lot of people were like, how are we going to do an R-rated superhero movie, especially a character like that? Yeah. What they forget is that the superhero movie that launched all these modern-day superhero movies was rated R. Mm -hmm. It was Blade. Mm -hmm. Blade was rated R. People forget that it's technically a superhero movie. Yes, Spider-Man, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man solidified that for us. And everything. Yeah. But that's because Spider-Man in the script didn't lend itself to an R rating. Right. And didn't need it to do what it needed to do. But we started this journey with Blade in like 99, right? Yeah. So, or whenever that movie came out. I'm guessing off the top of my head. Yeah, you're close enough. But yeah, it's like, it all started with R. And as long as the character and the script and the setting lends itself to that, I think holding back just for rating sake isn't worth it and if you're a real artist and a real director and a real filmmaker i think you let your story be told the way you want it to be told regardless of ratings right and that's you know that's fine and i'm okay with it being art because like i said logan turned out to be fantastic when we let the things play out as they should Mm -hmm. and i think if we're really going to examine a joker like character like walking phoenix is you know author then you're almost doing it a disservice by not going that far. Yeah. If you don't go for that hard R, you're almost giving a disservice and you're almost sort of downplaying the mental illness problems and things like that. Because I think this is what this movie is going to really come down to. Yeah. Is a hard examination of how we treat people with mental illnesses as well as, you know... Social commentary of, like, class division. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I think if if you... Gave it a PG-13, it wouldn't have made sense. I think they'd had to cut so much out of it that it almost feel like candy coating a serious issues. Yeah, I agree. The only thing, though, is like, uh, I'm, I'm down for a rated R. You, you, you know, I'm always down for that. But I just, you know, this is a joker. And I know when he does something violent, he goes the extra mile. Now, I, I'm a little bit, you know, happy that this is a joker that's a little bit more grounded to Earth. Like I said before. Mm-hmm. So I know the violence is going to be like Shakespearean, you know, Machiavellian love of violence. But at the same time, this is a man who is clearly disturbed. So I know his level of violence is also going to be extreme. So I'm not sure if this is going to be like a little bit too realistic. At the same time, I'm excited to see where it goes. But at the same time, it's like, man, we don't know. that. So for the first time, it's like, I don't know anything about this joker i know what the joker represents i know what he's about 
but this isn't this isn't really the Joker I'm familiar with. You know what? But that's okay because one of the things we talked about earlier is the things that made Heath Ledger's Joker and most Jokers that we've ever seen interesting yeah. is unpredictability. Mm-hmm. And like you said, with it being R, it scares you because you know where the Joker can go. Mm-hmm. And now when you've let you, you know, unleashed him. And yeah. taking the chains off and the weights off Joker, mm-hmm. there's no telling where he's going to go. Mm-hmm. And that sort of makes you feel a little skittish and mm-hmm. a little scared because now it feels dangerous again. Yeah. And that's least, okay. At least with like PG-13 Heath Ledger Joker, I'm like, all right, he's going to kill someone. And yeah, he, he did. But, you know, it was a little bit tame. It was smart, well executed. The script was amazing. The action was superb. But it was still, you know, per- you know, we were like, okay, yeah, I can handle that. But with this one, like I, like we both say, it's rated R. You're like, oh shit, he could do something foul, <laughs> and we gotta watch it. And that's, that's, that's I, like, I yeah, I'm cool okay. with it. I'm cool with it. It's just like, man, I gotta prepare myself like mentally when I go see it. I'm like, all right. And think th- about it this way. This yeah. is my thought with it being R and everything, and all these recent movies that have come out that are R. Yeah. People are starting to take superhero movies and these movies that are deep dives into different characters seriously they're really starting to actually go you know we're not making a superhero movie we're not making you know bright colors and tights yeah we're doing character studies and to me that excites me to think that that people are actually and i know these studios didn't do it because of that but they had the right people they brought in to do it and allowed them to do it and i'm excited because i've always felt that comic books and comic book movies and stuff transcends all generation and all ages right mm-hmm. well i'm not saying you should take your little kids out to see joker yeah don't do that but at the same time don't scar your kids comic books are for everyone yeah most people don't realize but stan lee made a point with his comics in the beginning right and i know stan lee has nothing to do with batman but for an example of comics yeah yeah anything that was marvel back in the day and i think they still do it is at a college reading level yeah it is so that's a big thing is that when you don't think of it as a just a child or children's medium mm-hmm. and think about it that it's okay to have dark stories. It's okay to have comic books that are lighthearted and go for the kids. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We all grew up on comics. We've all grown up on the shows and the movies and stuff. And this one is for the, for the adults. This is the one that's for us guys from the 90s who grew mm-hmm. up on this and have become saturated with it you know that yeah. it's okay to do a movie that's not for everyone yeah you know and i'm happy because that means that there are so many other characters and so many other storylines that people have kept saying well that'd be nice to do but it's a little much for the for a superhero movie on screen yeah now we're saying we're throwing out the book and saying anything's up for grabs we can do anything with it now and I'm yeah. excited for that because the possibilities are endless at that point. I am also very excited for this movie. I think for the first time, like I said, I'm not sure what I'm going to get myself into. And that both scares me, but mostly excites me. Because although I'm like a history nerd when it comes to like the Batman mythos, for the first time, I feel like I'm fresh into this thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that really, for the first time, I feel happy that I don't know something. And I, I, you know, if my, me and my girl go watch it, she's like, yo, what's going to happen? I'm like, you know what? For the first time, I'm happy to say, I don't know. 
Yeah, because we I, took the idea. This movie takes the ideal of Joker. It takes the concept of Joker and everything, but doesn't go back to the source materials. It does and it doesn't. I'm sure it's going to have some connections to different stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, as us nerds, we see a trailer for anything, any superhero-related movie, and we've already picked out three different comic book storylines that they're using from. You know, mm-hmm. and this movie makes you go, okay. I know this about the character. I understand the Joker at least enough to, you know, to get what the Joker's about. Mm-hmm. But this movie kind of flips it and says, "Okay, you think you know him? You think you understand this? Well, you don't. Right. And we're about to show you why. And, and there, we're not going to give you anything to work off of. There's no, there's no comic book story like this. We didn't copy from anybody. And you know what? Now you say that." The criticisms with people saying we're going to know about the Joker origin story. Here's the thing. You go in this movie, you think you know the Joker. Like you said, you don't know the Joker. So that whole, you know, ambiguity to the entire movie as you're watching it, you don't know what's going to happen. You think you know, but you don't know. So that makes him even more mysterious than he like already was for real, for real. When you really think about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yo, this is actually really... I'm really fucking excited this is probably the most excited i've been for a superhero movie other than like Endgame and infinity war and some of the marvel yeah. stuff yeah but really the first one because i love superhero movies like all of us do i love comics and everything but i'm also a huge film guy yeah i love movies i love cinematography i'm obsessed with knowing how things are made yeah and really getting movies that are as much a thrill seeker or a thriller horror whatever genre you're working with mm-hmm. but one that at the same time makes the audience uncomfortable and makes him think mm-hmm. you know i'll give you an example of a really good movie that is basically an action thriller a suspense thriller sure but it makes the audience question things okay which what is, is the movie seven uh, I heard with of it. Morgan Freeman. You haven't watched it I with Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt? I haven't seen it. Go watch that movie because that movie is basically set up to be a little police drama thing, right? Yeah. And by the time you get to that end of the movie, it leaves you so uncomfortable mm-hmm. and so odd that it's a it really makes you question things. Really? And it is probably one of the best sleeper movies of of the early 2000s. Okay, yeah. I really think if if you get a chance go watch it because it's got, you know, Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt, and Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. before all the allegations and all the stuff that brought him down, right? Right. right so we're right. at prime Kevin Spacey. Right, right. You know, I got you. You've got to watch that movie. We'll have to do a, a movie review on it or something. Where you got to sit down and watch it because wow. I feel like I, I'm I'm lucky because it'll be my first time watching it. Where everyone else will say, "Oh shit!" It'll be my first time watching it. So yeah, I get that priceless reaction. And I can see what blew over your radar because at face value, it looks like another police drama with with yeah. Brad Pitt, and you're like, ah. that's a, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. No, that movie is like, it, it's a it's a movie that's gonna mess you up. Okay. It's like the first time you watch Saul. Is this the one where uh, the meme was, What's in the box? Yes. Put the gun I down. I saw you with the box. What was in the box? Because I envy your normal life. Put the gun down, David. It seems that envy is my son. Oh, uh, what's in the box? Not taking, give me the what's gun. in the fucking box? Give me the gun. What's in the box? Because that's the end of the movie. 
Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I don't, I don't need to do any more memes then about that movie. Basically. Not really. No. I okay. mean, the memes aren't going to give it away, but it kind of does. Okay. Got but it. yeah, you gotta sit. You gotta watch that movie. All right. I, I might own it. I have to go look. I think I own it somewhere. All right. If not, I'm sure we can get it. But yeah, that's definitely a movie you're gonna have to sit down and watch because this, it's kind of like, I love movies that will tell you they're one thing and then flip the script on you and sort of like, you know, not to go back to comic books, but Captain America: so, uh, Winter Soldier. Ah, oh, that was a good one. That one played itself in the trailers and everything mm-hmm. and told you it was a superhero movie. It's not. It's a spy thriller. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, soldier, whatever, Tinker's soldier spy, mm-hmm. whatever. It's it's a full-on spy movie. Mm-hmm. And I love movies that sort of, you know. Speaking of flipping the script, do you think this Joker movie is going to pull a fast one on us? Like, haha, there's something else, you know. I think it might do it. Maybe. It could, but I don't think it will. I think this is going to be um, I haven't seen how long this movie is, but I've heard from the reviews it's a slow burn. That's it's kind a of a one. really slow moving movie, but mm-hmm. in a way it kind of lends itself that way. Right. Because you want to, it makes you feel and really connect with him by holding you uncomfortably in this man's life. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think, and that's the word I keep coming to, is uncomfortable. And I think that's how you get someone to relate to a character who's breaking down is you make the audience have to see it and see that person break down in the struggles to the point that you not only relate to him, but you also feel their pain. I do like the fact that you said uncomfortable because every time I watch this trailer, every time I see him with his mother, uh, I see him get belittled on TV. I see him with um, Zazie Beats' character. I, uh, I feel for this guy. I'm like, I really hope he gets the best. Then you see him get beat up on the street. You see him... Uh, just get picked on and and now when he finally has a chance to make a name for himself with this joker persona you're like i hope you know what you're gonna do with it but we all know as comic nerds or just anyone who's familiar with the pop culture of the joker we know he's not gonna do the greatest thing with his newfound fame i guess of the joker and it's gonna hurt me knowing that damn i really want to feel for this guy but i know he's gonna go down the dark path but like you said you're gonna see him you know hurt and be uncomfortable watching him struggle and you understand why he goes down that dark path and I'm, I'm you know excited to see him you know fall rise and fall again i guess well not only that but then you basically by making the audience become sympathetic sympathetic as well as feel very connected to the character yeah that when he does fully go over to the bad side and go full evil mm-hmm then you leave the audience thinking, well, is his actions justified or are they not? Right. Does all these things that we just witnessed, all these bad things that have come before, justify what he's doing now? You know, we mm. tell ourselves no. But once you've seen that and you've had to basically live in this guy's life mm. for the duration of this movie up to that, you know, up to that point, but at least the way the trailers are playing it out to be, you know, that makes you as an audience member go, well, I mean, I know what he's doing is evil, but I know why. It, I love a movie. And I understand. Yeah. I love a movie that makes you ask those hard questions. Yeah, and because, that's... Yeah. Do you think it may, You think he might get an Oscar for this? Because I, I smell an Oscar. He could, but they've, they're really weird about superhero movies. Hollywood, for some reason, does not like to give shine. I mean, 
the closest we've got, I mean, Heath Ledger got an Oscar for his portrayal, didn't he? Yeah, he, he did. was like the first big, and then yeah. did, didn't did Black Panther get anything? They got the nod, but did they actually win anything. I think they did win an Oscar. Um, it, yeah, they won one. Okay, I think that it could, and I think it absolutely deserves it. I think they have a fantastic cast. Mm. You have, you couldn't have picked a better guy to play Joker. Joaquin Phoenix is probably one of the most underrated character actors of our generation right he now. Is. He's such a um, talent. Everything he does, he goes full on. Yeah. Um, you also had Robert De Niro, who's a legendary uh, actor. Which yes, actually, for you, you were talking about earlier, Taxi Driver. He's yeah. in that. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he also plays that. He was also in another movie where uh, he took over a talk show, and I found it ironic that he's now a talk show host. Yeah, and I thought that was actually pretty cool. It's pretty cool, as well as uh, Zazie Beats. I think she's a rising star. Yes, she is. She's improved herself with the Deadpool movie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as Domino mm-hmm. and everything. And I really think she's a she's a she's kind of like the girl who ended up playing Gamora in Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Remember her? How yeah, she yeah. kind of was in Star Trek and then Marvel. She kind of became. Well, she was kind of a sleeper actress in a way. Like she was sort of there, and then one day she blew up. I mean, I'm telling you right now, and I want to be, you know, one of the first to say it. If anybody, you know looks back on this episode i think she's gonna be one of the next big stars you think so i i absolutely because i think she's fantastic you know she does a great job she could play both comedic roles and obviously can play from this trailer it looks like she's gonna be able to play a more character driven role mm-hmm. and i really think that she's she's something to watch for yeah. i really think that if you're gonna keep an eye on anybody that'd be what i want what i'd do I feel you. I feel you. There is uh, one trailer we watched, Star Wars trailer. Now, I'm a Star Wars fan. Richard's a Star Wars fan. But I'm not going to lie to you. I'm probably not going to watch this one. I'll end up watching it, but I'm not going to theaters. I didn't go see Last Jedi in theaters either. You did not miss out. I, I mean, I saw it when it came out and everything, but... Let me let me tell you why I'm, I'm a little bit upset low-key. Okay, because I got a whole rant built up, so go ahead. Alright, so the original trilogy, we we can both agree, was fantastic. Yes. As a kid, I thought, oh shit, I could easily become a rebel or an imperialist and fly in space. The story was amazing. The characters were amazing. I cared about everybody. I thought Palpatine and Darth Vader were actually really menacing villains. I thought everything was great about the LG trilogy. The prequels, although it can be flawed, it aged well. I don't know about Attack of the Clones, but everything else aged well. I think all of them really aged well. I mean, all of them had their faults, but, you know, even Phantom Menace, which gets shit on all the I time. I thought it was a fantastic one. I, re- I remember when that came out in 99. Yeah. I remember being a kid. Yeah. And at the end of the day, Star Wars, while it does, is for everybody... At the end of the day, they're still kind of geared towards our the young mind and the imagination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the prequel with the pod racers and stuff like that, and the first time for me seeing a Sith, because I'd never seen any of the originals by the time I saw Phantom Menace. That was my mm. first Star Wars. That was my introduction into it, and mm. I fell in love. Yes, that movie has a lot of flaws, and when you look back, you're like, well, that's yeah. not a good idea. Yeah. But, you know, even the prequels had its moments that were good. My first introduction to Star Wars was uh, when, um, if you are my age, you will remember Movie Gallery, all, all you people listening. 
Uh, Richard, you know what movie gallery is. Thanks for telling everybody I'm old. Uh, we're old. <laughs> but yeah, movie gallery was... Uh, I actually know. I can go even older. You remember that old video warehouse over there that's now the Troy Cleaners? Yeah, it was... Um, it used to be a movie place. Yeah, it was called something else, and I forget, like Movie Palace or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what my first introduction to Star Wars. I got on VHS, and my mom's like, "Hey, you want to rent a movie?" I'm like, "Yeah, this looks interesting." It was a New Hope, and ever mm-hmm. since then, I'm like, "I gotta watch the rest." And that was my first introduction. I, I never regret getting that VHS tape. But you know, then, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay, uh, but then. The Force Awakens happened, and sure, it's basically a retelling of the New Hope. I'm like, all right, that's cool. It's for the younger generation, so I let it slide. Then we got the anthology series with Rogue One. That was fantastic. Yes, I agree. Another movie that flipped the script and went. Yes. Let's instead of doing a sci-fi thriller like we've been doing with Star Wars, let's flip it and do a war movie. Let's yeah. do Platoon, Platoon in Star Wars, like Saving Private Ryan. Almost. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, yes, this is it. Because, like, you know, I was a little scared because if they fucked up Rogue One, that was the introduction to A New Hope. But they didn't, and they did it so well. They even made you ask questions, is the Rebellion even that good? Because they do some questionable shit themselves. Yeah. And they made the Imperialists, although we know they're fucked up, they made them look, like, kind of okay-ish. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, Disney, I see you, Mickey. Oh, I got you. I'm like, yeah, you got me. You got me good, Mickey. Maybe, maybe you know what you're talking about. And then, then the last Jedi happened. Try. Everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. And uh, yeah, I died a little bit in the inside. My hopes and dreams as a child was just burned in flames. Let's see. I have a problem with the whole that whole trilogy. Yeah. Um. And before I get in that, I, while I had seen the prequels first, right, and fell in love with them, I didn't see the original trilogy, yeah. and I'm going to give a shout out to uh, a teacher from from back in the day who made a point of having us watch those movies on movie days, you know, when they would do that, like, end of school year kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. She made us, as a class, watch the, the original trilogy, because she said that, and, and it was Miss Boswick. Hey, shout out to her. Yeah, shout out to her. But that woman literally said, hey, everybody should see this. That these are not just sci-fi kitty movies, right? Mm -hmm. She believed they were cinematic masterpieces. And that everybody in in school and in America should watch these. That these were movies you should watch before you died. And she wanted to instill that upon us. I think I was in, I don't know, 8th grade? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So... I saw them and I fell in love because those movies, while they weren't the most CGI filled, they weren't that, they used a lot of practical effects, but the world felt lived in. The world felt grimy. It felt like it wasn't this shiny toy like most sci-fi movies of that time had been where everything was, you know, Will Rogers and, and, you know, all super shiny world. And it brought us into a world that felt lived in. Now, once we got into... The Force Awakens. I had so much hope for this trilogy in the beginning. Same. Because I was okay with them with Force Awakens. It had some bad moments there and some good moments. I really was hoping what they were going to do was that we'd bring in some of the old cast, right? Mm-hmm. But we'd have it where they sort of had their moments. We get to have our endings and our closure with these other characters. Yeah. And then... 
has the passing of the torch and let's move on let's really start following these new characters like Finn and Ray and everything let's make the movies focus on them and forget about everything else let us experience their journey yeah you know yeah and instead we've gotten this sort of half follow their journey and half not while we still lingered on these older characters and stuff you know let's we're still dragging them on we're still not fully letting them go to the point that we're already in the third movie and we really haven't got a chance to know these characters right not not fully and then they ruin their opportunity for they actually ruin their opportunity twice for a good villain yeah it did we had you know you wasted Captain Plasma in the first movie. You mean Phasma? Phasma? Is that what it's Phasma? Yeah. Oh, it's Plasma. Not Plasma. I really thought it was Captain Plasma. I was like, all right. Well, yeah, that sounds like a badass villain name. But yeah, you were like, okay. You know, you had this actress who came from Game of Thrones. She was yeah. big and brooding. She had that fantasy thrown away in the first movie. She got Boba Fettered. Yeah, they just ignored her in the first one. Like, she's just a supporting character at straight, best. Straight up Boba Fett. She had her moment in Last Jedi, but not really. Um, and then the other one was Kylo Ren. Yeah. When we first met Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens, I immediately, when he turned around and stopped that that bolt now, that in was the badass. air, that was I went, badass. okay, you're about to give our generation a its version of Darth Vader. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's when he had the mask on, he was in the robe and he stops and I said, Oh shit. Mm-hmm. We're about to get a badass. We're about to get a guy who talks, mm-hmm. who doesn't speak much, only speaks when he needs to, and is gonna be a badass. Because what made Darth Vader so good is he almost doesn't say anything. Not a he word. lets his presence do all the talking. Mm-hmm. He walks into a room and you feel the air escape. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's presence that's power and that's a perfect villain to me as a kid i always like you know i always tell my dad like my dad just played with me he's like yeah sure yeah sure the the imperials exist i always want to be an imperial officer until i saw the og trilogy i'm like oh shit they get choked out like every five fucking seconds yeah and and that was (laughs) the thing is star fader doesn't say much but when he does you know not to talk back to him because if you do, you're dead. He's if, it's over. If he gives you an order, you make sure you get it right the first time. You won't get it twice. So the first few minutes of that movie, we have that moment. We have a moment where we brought introduced the villain, who immediately stops that bolt and and you feel the like your air escape you. Yeah. The air leaves the theater room and you're like, oh yeah, oh okay, here oh, we are. Okay, this is the one. This is the one. Then almost immediately later, he takes off the mask and he's a whiny fucking brat who's like, well, my grandfather was Starfader, so I want to be bad. (laughs) You know, now you say that. And I'm mad at daddy because he didn't (laughs) love me enough. (laughs) That's literally Kyle Ren. It made me so mad. And don't get me wrong. I think uh, the actor is great. He's a fantastic actor. But why? Nobody... Listen. (laughs) We had our time. Emo phase came and went. Okay? We didn't want the My Chemical Romance of villains in Star Wars. Okay? We didn't need the Black Parade. Okay? We've moved on. We've grown up. Don't give us that. You give us that and you ruin the character. Because now, 
when he has those moments where he goes rage, you, he feels like a toddler. You feel like you need to, you know, knock some sense into that thing or take away his cell phone. It sounds like he can't he, play with his lightsaber today. Okay, he's been bad. We're gonna take his lightsaber away. He'll get it back when he he learns to be a good boy. You ruined, ruined a great opportunity. And I know everybody's bitched about him and everything, but I lost all respect for the character. And they've tried to turn him around in Last Jedi. They tried. They tried, but once you lose me, you got you, you lost, lost me. me. Yeah. And you can't tell me you're gonna give me this ultimate badass character and then have an untrained person whoop his ass on her first time holding a lightsaber that is very true i found that some <laughs> some, some bullshit because like, it's like you know this dude had to have been training for so long and he'd been trained by snoke right and luke skywalker and luke skywalker his fucking uncle so i'm thinking all right yeah he's gonna be a fucking you know badass with the saber like he's shit this is some top tier shit and here comes ray yeah, I never held this lightsaber before in my life, but I'm about to fuck you up, though. Like, real talk. It turns on her lightsaber and just straight up demolishes this man one-on-one. I'm like, how? How, Sway? Exactly. I don't understand. Look at it this way. Luke Skywalker had almost no training in the beginning, right? Right. Just like Rey. Yes. No training, no nothing. Yes. First time he went up against his father, Darth Vader, who he didn't know at the time it was Vader, mm-hmm. what happened? He lost his arm and almost fell to his death. And got a bombshell about that. <laughs> the, the dude that just cut off your hand is your daddy. Exactly. <laughs> That's what we got because it showed that if you are untrained and you've never held a lightsaber in your life and you try to go up against someone who has had all that training, you're not going to win. Yeah. You're going to fail. It took him going off. I mean... Between episode, you know, five and six, yeah. wasn't it a long period between them? He was. Like, by the time we see Luke Skywalker in the end, he's gone back and finished training. training. Even, you know, he's gone back. He's done what he needed to do. He got an all-black suit. Yeah, he he's done taking time to learn to build a lightsaber, which, as you know enough mm. about Star Wars lore, mm. is but- a big time it takes a lot of time and practice to learn that you have to be that's almost a, a master deal. that's how you know you're not just a young no more. yeah you have to be a almost a master mm. to build your own lightsaber like that takes time that's not something you just willy-nilly do yeah so i, I also find it and even then oh. and before sorry to cut you off but that's even fine. then even after he had trained mm. he still almost lost yeah yeah, it was did. still neck to neck. We still thought he might die. The only reason why he won is because he gave into his rage. Yes, he led into the dark side. Yeah. So you cannot get me to suspend my disbelief on an untrained person who's never held a lightsaber, never fought somebody with a lightsaber, handily, handily wiped the floor with mm-hmm. a guy who's been trained by arguably one of the greatest Jedi's of all time, Luke Skywalker, definitely in the t- in the pantheon of, bi- of great Jedi's, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, and then by so- a guy named Snoke, who we never got to learn about, we just fucking yeah. kill him off. Yeah. Gave us nothing about him. Obviously, he's been trained, and then gets handed to. Like it doesn't make sense. And for me, that's when that movie let me down. It, those that movie, Force Awakening, poorly set everything up. Now, it gave us 
ample you, opportunity for great moments. It lets you down on the Force Awakens, but with me, I kind of let it slide just a tad. Now, what really made me upset as a Star Wars fan, what really just kind of pissed me off, pushed me over the edge a bit, Last Jedi. No, actually, no. Force Awakens, the ending scene where Rey give Luke Skywalker, the greatest hero I grew up with. He was my first real hero. I looked up to Luke as mm-hmm. a kid. Gave him back his lightsaber. That shit left you on the cliffhanger. I teared up a bit. Because we haven't seen Luke in so fucking long. And he gives him his dad's lightsaber. Anakin fucking Skywalker's lightsaber. Anakin Skywalker. His dad. Hey, here's your lightsaber. I'm like, oh shit. You know, and then they cut it off. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. The last Jedi had the fucking audacity. He gets his dad's lightsaber. His father, the man that he watched die on the Death Star, who gave him some meaningful last words, he tossed that shit over his shoulder. Now, at first, I was like in disbelief. I'm like, I didn't see that. He dropped it. He dropped that shit. It's fine. He'll pick it back up. He walks off. And I don't see Luke anymore. I see like a broken shell of a man that I looked up to. I was so pissed because it's not Mark Hamill's fault. That Luke is like this. No, Mark Hamill wasn't happy about the character. Yeah, yeah, okay? I, I, yeah. I wasn't even mad Mark about Hamill, it. and that's what didn't help the Last Jedi before it ever even came out. Mark Hamill was being forced to do interviews about it, and he was like, "This ain't my Luke Skywalker." Yeah. Okay, this is their Luke Skywalker. This is what they needed for their story. Yeah. But this isn't my Luke Skywalker. My Luke Skywalker is still out there in the galaxy fighting. Yeah, Luke Skywalker always found a way. No matter how hard it got, he found a way. And there was times where he shouldn't have, like, got out of that alive. But he fucking found a way because he's Luke fucking Skywalker. He didn't give up. He didn't even give up on his own father. Let that sink in. His father cut off his hand. Emperor told his, you know, Darth Vader to kill his own son. Luke's like, nah, that's my dad. I'm a Jedi, like my father before me. That's some real shit. But this Luke Skywalker, I'm like, who the fuck are you? I don't know who you are. You almost killed your own fucking nephew. Luke Skywalker, I know, wouldn't do that. And you tossed your own father's lightsaber over your shoulder. Because you're done being a Jedi. I, I didn't see Luke Skywalker. I saw a bitch. I agree. It didn't make sense. Because the thing that made Luke Skywalker, he felt like every he felt like the version of us that we all wanted to aspire to be and want it to be is the, the, the simple boy put into a world that he doesn't really belong to in the beginning. And always saying there's a third option. I think that's the biggest thing. Is that when the world tells you you can only go this way or the other way. Luke Skywalker always found the third option. Yeah. You know? So for him to decide because he's seen some some vision or something that, you know, Ben Solo is going to become this evil thing. And yeah. to go kill him. Yeah. Makes no sense for the character. Because at that point, Luke Skywalker, the Luke Skywalker that we know and, is, and grew up looking up to mm-hmm. would have found a way to save him. Yeah. Instead of I don't know. making the prophecy come true. Yeah. Because he was supposed he's sort of like, you know, he's supposed to be the best of us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. supposed to be the thing that we want to be. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And for him to suddenly give up and just go, Well, I messed up with him and this and other, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. And I'm thinking, man, you know, with that bullshit of excuse of a vision, 
again, Ryan Johnson can suck a fat dick on this one, but I think him seeing that vision would have pushed Luke more to make sure Ben stays on the right path. So that wouldn't have happened. Not go in his room and straight up try to assassin Creed him while he's sleeping. You know what I mean? And another thing I didn't like about The Last Jedi is the way he fucking went out. Like, you mean to tell me this dude's gonna go out in a forced Skype call? Like, come on, man. Oh, yeah, I was, they want no. you to believe that that he Skype forced. I like that forced Skype call. That's a good one. Yeah, and that he exerted so much of himself that he just dies right there. <laughs> and it's like, first off, no. He can't lose connection. He's the fucking force, dude. Come on. Yeah. Man. Second off, I'm sorry, but I feel like if he's had all that time on the island, if he'd properly trained himself, he may not, but it just felt like a cop-out. It felt like we just got... we. They gave us Luke Skywalker, and while, yes, he was a shitty version of what we knew, mm. when that battle happened, you thought, okay... We're getting the Luke Skywalker back. We're yeah, getting a yeah. redemption yeah. role. We're going to have him finally come back and then them properly train. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Perfect. That would have been a great, that you know, like, oh, you had me in the first half. All right, but now you got me back. All right, cool. Yeah, you were like, okay, so you sort of played off of us, mm. you know, of being the Luke Skywalker and making us hate him and really be upset with him mm. and then having him come back and do the Luke Skywalker that we wanted. Mm. But to have him just suddenly die after... He lost connection. Like, it, yeah, it, it it felt like a cop-out. It felt mm. like, well, how do we get rid of him You know, and move on? But now the problem I feel with those movies, and it comes back down to it, is because you've spent so much time worrying about how to finish off these other characters... That you haven't allowed your your main stars, characters to develop. I know nothing about Ray. I know nothing about Finn. Finn's been forgotten for the most part. Yeah, I, I feel like, sorry for my boy like Finn. Like Finn, I remember when Finn and Ray showed up, I thought, oh, we're about to get this real interesting dynamic. This sort of almost friendly rivalry thing going on. We're gonna they have nothing to do with each other. Their stories don't even intertwine for the most part. The only thing I know. I mean, about Finn, Finn was asleep through half yep. of Last Jedi. The only thing I know about Finn is that when he's in a desert, he's finna fucking sweat. That's about it. Yeah. He, he boy, was moist boy, as fuck. The boy puts it, <laughs> He you was know. moist as fuck in that. For yeah, he's like, like Michael Jordan in, like, you know, in the 90s for the Bulls. Like, he's pouring <laughs> down, okay? Like, damn, you need a towel, boy. You got that MJ sweat going on. <laughs> like, yo, you you need, some, you need something. I don't know what to tell exactly. you. Exactly. That's it. We don't have anything. I mean, <laughs> we sort of... He, I felt like we had more... We learned more about Finn... With him running around with Han, yeah, and really connected, because at that point I was like, "Oh, I love this dynamic of him and Han. Like, well, I could have that for the rest, you know." Yeah. But no, now I'm kind of upset with it because I'm so sad that we're already to the end of this new trilogy, and the story hasn't been developed properly. Mm-hmm. The story doesn't even make sense mm-hmm. chronologically. Mm-hmm. It feels like this is one of those moments where 20 years from now they're gonna someone's they're gonna change it all up and say this isn't, isn't canon. This is what you know what I mean. They love yeah. to do that, just snatch stuff and out and say, well, this ain't canon anymore. Kind of like what they did with the books. Yeah, they threw away all the for most of the part all the books, all the legends, mm. which to me, honestly, some of the book storylines 
are so much better than this. Star for Evan? Yeah, those are great storylines. To throw them away and say, well, they no longer count because we want to do something different. That's doesn't true. work. You could have just done something off the books and we would have been happy. What I was hoping for with Disney is that when they were going to do the movies, I would love to see Dash and the Outrider. That's basically like Han Solo's like other friend. That mm-hmm. would be interesting to see. Uh, the Black Sun Syndicate. Uh, you could have had something to do with uh, when Luke was doing the Jedi Academy. That would have been that would have been dope. Anything really from the books, because you have so much potential with these books. But I really don't know why they decided to just make it legends. And I'm like, come on, man, just just use the books. They're they're dope. Well, yeah, and it's like with this with these trilogies, what they could have done is had the old cast in there for their parts, yeah. and move on. And then get, introduce us to a ragtag team of misfits. Yeah. Give me give me the, the, the sort of almost suicide squatty Star Wars. Mm-hmm. What made a lot of these movies great, the originals, and even the cartoon, like the Rebels and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. What makes them feel good is that you give us this sort of ragtag. Even Rogue One. Rogue One understood that. Give me a crew. Give me a, a, a group of individuals who are all unique, all different, who have their grace. They're not black and white characters, mm-hmm. and I mean that in like character character wise, not in color. It doesn't really matter; they can be anything. That's a nice little save there. <laughs> yeah, I thought about it. I was like, oh, let me let me rephrase. I heard that. someone on Twitter just got got, got ready. Like, what the fuck did you just say? Richard? Yeah, but yeah, give me a give me a group that you know, and let them develop. I mean, the original gang, the the pre the not the prequels, but the the original OG Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Those characters didn't make sense outside of the crew. You're right. They'd never yeah. meet otherwise. Because And a you kid. sort of had set that up with Ray and Finn yeah. and then the little Asian girl and, you know, these kind of characters. Yeah. We were starting to build this nice little weird group that just sort of comes together and sort of works. Or, or Poe, the pilot. Like, yeah. you're almost there. You mm-hmm. set, you gave us the characters. You just forgot to put them in this together yeah. and make that make the story be about their journey together and them overcoming the odds together. Yeah, I like the fact that you said that it's basically a bunch of people meeting and, and going to on this great space adventure. Because as a kid, I remember seeing the New Hope. I'm like, yo, who the fuck is this old dude in the desert wearing a robe? Ain't it hot? Who the fuck is this talking dog? Why is this dude shooting the alien for the first time? Okay, he shot first. I stand by that. And why is this farm boy whiny? And then when you really, like, see them go on this adventure, you're like, oh, shit, they're actually really cool, you know? Because what happens is when you introduce all the characters and bring them together and have them go on this journey together, we as the audience become the, like, like they say in football terms, the 12th man. Yeah, yeah, We yeah. become the invisible ro- passenger because now we're on for the ride. Mm-hmm. Now we have something to go with. We have characters that we relate to and... Now we feel like thing. The thing that I always loved about Star Wars, especially the originals, is and like I said, Rogue One did it, mm-hmm. was that you gave us characters that we fell in love with, and then you let us go for a ride, mm-hmm. and took us on that journey together. But these, it feels almost like there's five different stories going on at any time. There's the story with Finn. There's the story with Rey. Poe's on his own thing. You know, everybody's got their own thing going on, and they're not really connected. We're just, like, watching five different shows at one time, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make sense. And, and for me, that's why this is the worst 
and I'm going to say it now, the worst Star Wars trilogy ever. I would still put the prequel better. I guess you could say this whole new trilogy is just trash. Yes. Straight trash. For sure. So, well, damn, we left. <laughs> it's a sour note. <laughs> it really did. I'm sorry, but I'm as, as a Star Wars fan, this broke my heart because it had so many, so much potential to reinduce Star Wars to a brand new audience. You know what I mean? Mm. You had the capacity. Everything was there. All the elements was there. You could bring in the fans of old who loved the originals and the fans of new. And you could have blended them together perfectly and gave us a proper send-off. The way I would have done it is Force Awakens was, you know, meet these great characters and everything. Have it end with her finding Luke Skywalker. Start the second one with her being trained by him. Mm-hmm. He trains her. He takes her to his own version of the little, you know... Remember the, like, tree or little thing he goes through? We had yeah, the faces. Yeah. On, on the planet of Dagobah? Yeah, on Dagobah. Go yeah. through the whole Dagobah kind of thing. Basically have him, like, sort of... You could even done nods there. You could have sort of gave us the sort of Dagobah training montage, you know, nod. Since you really want to play that nostalgica. And then had it where... She moves on. And then you could have killed him off in battle. You could have gave her her Obi-Wan. I'm okay with repeating certain themes if it makes sense. I honestly think that um, her turning to the dark side in this trailer, or the new one that just dropped, Mm -hmm. I think it's straight up just a dream sequence. I will be honestly surprised if they have the balls to make her a dark side user. That would be impressive. But I know this is Disney, and they're not going to do it. And even if they do, it doesn't make sense. It yeah, doesn't exactly. at all. Yeah. In no capacity does it make sense. Yeah. You know, I understand they try to play off this weird love thing with her and, and Ben, but it hasn't been allowed to develop to make they feel like they really have any sort of significant connection. What? Not to mention, with them doing that, you've taken away the driving force of the movies. Yeah. Like... With the original Star Wars, or with in, or even the prequels, you always had this overlooming threat, right? Yeah, you yeah. had this unspoken evil driving mm. the plot, right? Mm. You didn't have to have Darth Vader say anything because just knowing he was out there yeah. was scary enough to force the movie to go threat on throughout the entire trilogy. But what do we got now? Because Kylo Ren's too busy trying to get in Ray's pants. You know what I mean? So he's not menacing. The squeaky voice guy. He's not menacing. I feel like I'm going to feed him a piece of cheese and tell him to get out of my house. <laughs> you know? Hey, I have a new Asking for Alexandria album. You want to listen to it with me? I mean, he. I feel like he's, he, he, he got his uh, speech lessons from the, from the pastor or the bishop there in Princess Bride. My witch. Do stop. My witch is what brings us together stop. to die. Stop it. Stop. You know what I mean? That's that's what he sounds like. He's terrible. (laughs) I'm sorry, but that's that's just what it is. Jesus Christ. No I bet Jerry Little's just listening to it like God, I'm just glad it's not me this time. Could have been roasting me about fucking hot topic. (laughs) That's that's Kylo's turn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Welcome to the club, Kylo. We're about to roast you for a couple. We roast everybody up here, okay? Nobody safe. We're the Nick or the Nat King Cole of roasters. Yep, nobody safe here. 
<laughs> Everyone's chestnuts are getting burned this week. I just feel like with, with Kylo, it's like they just, like you say, they did him so poorly. And he could have had, I really wish he was more like a Darth Revan type character. But he's both a master of the light and the dark. You know what I mean? And he had to like overcome all kinds of struggles because he's always trying to be like his granddad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, maybe eventually he realizes that maybe my granddad, you know, had to walk his own path. This is why he's like the way he is. So maybe I have to walk my own. Yeah, but I, th- I mean, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to go that route, I think it requires more time. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to draw it in, it's themes to, to people to identify is mm. clear evils and clear bad guys. It's okay to kind of blur that line a little bit. Mm. But for Star Wars, I think that you have to keep those lines sort of separate in a sense, at least for the movies. I think if you had a TV show that went on, you could explore those themes yeah. more. But for the general audience, is not going to be up for that. I think the only time they got away with making it blurry was in Rogue One. Because the, re- the Rebellion, what, you know, what they tried to do in certain scenes, I'm like, yo, that's kind of you crossing that line. You, you're becoming the bad guy at this point. And then the Empire, I'm like, maybe they got a point. Maybe we kind of do need the super weapon. Low-key. You know what I mean? Well, but, it's because they flipped the script, like I said. They turned yeah. it into a war movie. Yeah. And in war, there are no winners. Ah, There's, true. You know what I mean? Nobody wins in a fight. Facts. You know? So, when it comes to war, those lines get blurred every time. We can tell ourselves for the good guys. But we do just as many atrocities as anybody else. Plus, history is written by the victors. Yes. So, if you are properly going to flip that script and make it a war movie, you've got to be willing to, to, to blur that line. And that's okay, because Rogue One stands on its own mm-hmm. without any other movies. You don't have to know anything about any Star Wars at all, right? Mm-hmm. You haven't had to see anything. Rogue One stands alone on its own self. It's so damn good, even Bree said it was alright to watch. And she only even fucking watch Star Wars. Yeah, because it it's a good movie by itself. And that's the thing, is if, if you make a movie, any movie, any movie that is made has to be able to stand on its own, or it doesn't work, I think. Yeah. You know? I. It's sad that it's only one Star Wars movie out of, like, several that we really truly enjoy. Especially in the new, newer ones, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, if you want to go to the other uh, the standalone Star Wars movie that they did, which was the Solo movie. Oh, that was pretty good, too. Solo was good, but they screwed up a lot of little things. One, I think it came out too quickly mm-hmm. after Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. I think they should have waited another six months before releasing it to let people kind of get past it. Because people were still kind of burnt. They felt still burned from Last Jedi. The Sting was still there. Yeah. Right? So, the Solo movie came out, what, three months after? That's too quick for another Star Wars movie, even a standalone. Two, the cinematography on there was poorly done. A good example of one of the most atrocious scenes in that movie is when he goes to that big snake thing or whatever it was in that really dark room. Explain to me why the entire scene, him and everything, is saturated in blue to the point you almost can't even see what you're seeing. Yeah, there was. Right? Yeah, there was a point where I was kind of like squinting almost to like really see what was going on. Yeah, and you shouldn't have to do that in a theater. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're gonna saturate a scene with a certain color, remember to make it a contrasting color behind it 
or something, right? Mm -hmm. But to saturate a, the whole screen into one thing in a scene that's already dark, right? It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. It becomes distracting, you know? Mm -hmm. That movie was, I think, not a terrible script. I don't think it was a bad movie overall. Mm -hmm. But it, but poor timing and poor cinema, cinematography destroyed that movie. I agree. It, it's like, no no disrespect to the actors, you know. I think the, the actor who portrayed Han Solo actually did a pretty decent job. I also think uh, Donald Glover's portrayal of uh, Lando was pretty decent. And, oh. uh, and some of the other characters were great, too. Woody Harrelson's character was pretty solid. And uh, Vision... He was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, he got they tired. They had the of, right cast. Yeah, they got, you know, Vision got tired of getting stabbed. Now, I would have kind of liked if the guy who played young Han Solo, I know he said he wasn't trying to be, to portray the Harrison Ford version. He was just going to do a character. I kind of wish he'd leaned a little bit more towards that more. Mm. And really, and I would have been okay with a more impression of it. I actually disagree. You think you know, the way he was was fine? Yeah, because, you know, Donald Glover tried to portray uh, the original Lando's, you know, portrayal. And it did not work. I disagree. I think Donald Glover's uh, portrayal of Lando Crisian, and I butchered his name, I'm so sorry. But <laughs> oh, it's his right. portrayal was one of the highlights of the movie. Yeah. His swagger and the way he felt. No, he had the swag. It instantly made me go, oh yeah, that's Lando. Yeah, he had the swag. It's just Where with this guy, I didn't feel like he was Han. Like, yes, he had elements, but he never felt Han to me. I think that's because he was a very optimistic Han Solo. I don't think it was even that. I think he just didn't feel right. Mm. I thought he was a good actor, but I think he just... He got in his head a little bit, I think, about, you know, being too scared to try to be... Harrison Ford. The Harrison Ford version. Mm -hmm. And decided to just go off his instinct. And no one talked him out of it. You know? Yeah. It's, uh... But no, Lando... You know, Danny Glover's Lando was, was I think, the shining point. Woody Harrelson is a fantastic actor. Mm -hmm. And was really good in that. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that. I do like parts of that movie. And I like the... the the way the, the, the plot twist happens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorite things about it. But, like I said, poor timing, poor cinematography, it, it ended up being flop. Yeah, I agree. Which, unfortunately, ended the run of the solo, um, that's a poor term, but standalone Star Wars movies, you know? Yeah. yeah. It was a shame, because they had a lot of other things. Like, the, the Boba Fett thing that became a show was going to be a movie. The really? Han Solo or the Obi Wan Kenobi, these were planned movies. There's a reason they've suddenly changed it to be in shows. Yeah, now that you mention it, Han Solo, that solo movie should have been like, yeah, a show. I think so. And like a western type. Yeah, yeah. And maybe they could have developed. Then I would have been okay with him starting out that way. Yeah. And then as the show went on, him becoming more like the space cowboy. Hell, maybe Mandalorian and Han Solo cross paths, and you know. I doubt it. Uh, no, you know, I'm just saying, like, that would have been an interesting, like, crossover. And, you know, that's probably how Boba Fett just fucking hate Han Solo so much, just for some reason. Yeah. You know. It, it could have been explored, but it just wasn't meant to be, unfortunately. I agree. Yeah. But, hey, you know, it is what it is. It is. So, there we are. So, you done ranting? Yeah, I'm done with ranting on Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, man, this is, uh... 
another long podcast, but it was really good though. It was really uh, we got a lot of stuff talked about. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, we actually had a lot more talking than I thought we would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that's, uh, yeah, this has been great. Yeah, another, another one down. Episode three, babe. Episode Woo! three. That's what I'm talking about. This is there man. We go. This is just awesome. I I love doing this shit, dude. It's awesome. I do too. I enjoy it too. Hell yeah. I can't wait until we finally hash it out and get our own theme song and hell yeah maybe get our own building oh i'd love it if That'd we could sick. get our own little studio That'd i know the sick. perfect building now where that old dentist office at the end of my road yeah i was thinking that too every time i get I off work telling, i'm like I, man that'd I, be sick for a studio dude i kept telling uh my brother yeah. if i ever won the lottery i would so buy that place and turn it into a studio man. it's a nice location it's got right up on the hill it's right there it's right there and i'm like it's got the space yeah. You can turn that into a little little independent studio company and do whatever you want. Music, podcast, whatever. That would be perfect. Dude, the perfect future. Location. The future looks so bright right now. Yeah. We're going to put a big old sign that'll say lame media. That'd be amazing. Dude, that'd be sick. Yeah. Hey, let's keep at it. We'll keep doing these episodes as long as, you know, people keep listening. I know they and, will. And, uh, yeah. We got to so. support everybody listening now. Again, if it's just two people, shit. We're going to keep doing it for you two because, you know, y'all yeah. the best. Y'all exactly. Awesome. As long as somebody's listening, we'll keep talking bull. Hell yeah. So, uh, you want to go burn a copy of The Last Jedi with me? Absolutely. All right, fuck it. Let's go. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to the Lame Media Podcast.